Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 120 of I Wish You Were Dead, a podcast about things that used to be alive. My name is Gavin. That is Mike and Fia. And uh, it's it's been, I think, for all of us, kind of a weird couple of weeks. Um, yeah. We all have a bunch of life stuff going on. Uh, Mike is now back working, you know, teachers, those slackers, getting the whole summer off. Uh, but now he's back to, to working. Yeah, but working is a way to put it. I mean, <laughs> those first couple of days, how much work am I actually doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, if you could not tell, uh, dear listeners, that was that was a joke. Uh, yes, <laughs> way to ruin the joke, Kevin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so lots of life stuff going on. This being mm-hmm. a, an episode that ends in a zero or a five uh, is not one of my episodes, but. Uh, is one of our wonderful other co-hosts, but uh, I think technically it was supposed to be Fia's episode, but Fia, as, as we mentioned, has a lot of life stuff going on. Uh, yeah. So Mike has graciously offered to, to take this one off of her hands. Uh, Thank you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no worries. We uh, I decided what we're doing about an hour and a half ago. Woo! Which is nice. more time, actually, than... Uh, uh, that's more leeway than I've given myself before on a mic takes a moment, so. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Fia, while I'm trying to look for this piece of news that I'm trying to yes. do, do you want to do some quick housekeeping? Yes, I got you. I'll do that, and I'll do some Swamp Corner. Um, Wonderful. So, you know, don't forget to rate the show on whatever platform you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. And give us feedback about the show and any future topics you would like to hear but on the podcast. And also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, be sure to fill out our guest form. All those can be found in the show notes. Um, Gavin, do you have any idea about what next episode topic is going to be? Uh, sure don't. Um, although I believe... Real bang-up uh, operation we've got here today, boys. <laughs> yeah, no, this is very thrown together. Um, we're here. It's going to be something human adjacent, I will say. Human, like apes and or human evolution. But don't hold me to that. That's just a quick <laughs> dome. Do we ever hold you to it? No. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. It's a pretty chill podcast. Anyway, uh, for Swamp Corner today, I have uh, some... An interesting animal called the Nutria, which is a rodent, Myocaster coypus. It is a large herbivorous semi-aquatic rodent native to the subtropical and temperate parts of South America. And these um, big rats, basically, they burrow near water and then feed on river, river or estuary plant systems. Um, however, they were introduced in North America, Europe, Asia, and Africa, mainly by fur farmers, but I would assume probably from other ways as well. And now they are a very invasive species, particularly in Louisiana. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So these things kind of look like uh, like beavers, but without the tail. Like They just look like giant yeah. rats, but they have these bright orange like beaver teeth. And um, they can severely damage the coastal marshes by uh, decimating native plants that hold the marsh soils together. And um, 
su that support the survival of the like native wildlife and so they're basically kind of mucking up and uh messing with the land and they can also carry uh tapeworms that um can get into the water and contaminate swimming areas and drinking water supplies and so they're pretty bad and they're a pretty big problem in Louisiana. So they started offering a bounty for every Nutria guild. And currently the bounty is $6 a Nutria where you can kill it. I think you just have to return the tail and you can keep the rest. I think some people actually will eat the meat because they're pretty big. Yeah, they're like you said, they're they're not quite as big as like a beaver. But yeah. uh, closer well, some to... Of them... Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say like marginal, like give or take the size of like a small raccoon. Yeah, okay. Honestly, I would just say a raccoon. The ones here yeah. are pretty big. The ones I see like on the side of the road anyway. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, I'm sure you know, everywhere else, not not as big. Yeah. I remember when I was in community college, I took a, a vertebrate biology class, which was mostly meant to... Uh, meant for like our community college's uh, zookeeper program. So it was based a lot on like, um, you know, obviously we learned about vertebrates in general, but it was focused a lot on like common zoo animals and also sort of our local wildlife because we worked with like our local uh, zoo in Watertown that was had a lot of local wild wildlife. And uh, so we talked about nutria a decent amount because while they're not, they're not super common in like Northern New York, they are there. Um, really? And funnily enough, you know, the our teacher showed us a, a beaver skull and a nutria skull. And uh, like you said, you know, they have that like bright orange on their front teeth because uh, they actually have iron in their teeth, which is real weird. Hmm. That's um, pretty metal. Like no, like no pun intended. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're red like that because they have like iron, which is oxidized and turns kind of like a rusty color. Um basically the only difference between a beaver skull and a nutria skull is that nutria have like a little hole in like their palate. So like, you know, the roof of their mouth. Um, mm -hmm. and that's literally the only difference. Like the size is like more or less interchangeable. They both have the red teeth. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're beaver size and real beaver, like just not as, as aquatic as beavers. Yeah. And they don't have like the thick beaver tail. Yeah. But neat. Uh, I, I like Nutria. They're always uh, like the, the weird little cousin of the beaver and not as popular because they're not. I don't know. Canada doesn't seem to like them as much, I guess. Yeah. Cool. But anyway, did you find a little fun fact for us? I did. Um, it's actually a little, a little piece of news that's been going on. I try to find like a good article. If I find like a good like uh, not paywalled article, I'll put it down in the show notes. But um Something that's been making the rounds in the paleontology circle uh, in the last like day or so is uh, so the South African uh, space. I get well. It's one of the actually. I thought it was a South African space program, but it's one of the like weird uh, like companies that's doing space travel. I think it's Virgin Galactic, um, but there's a prominent South African um, astronaut who brought some human ancestor fossils on the most recent uh, space flight, if you can call what 
Virgin Galactic does spaceflight. Hmm. Yeah, so they shot some fossils into space, uh, specifically of Australopithecus sediba, which is sort of the closest species to the genus Homo. It's, it's you know thought that the genus Homo came from this species, um, as well as uh, the species Homo naledi, which is what I believe the earliest species of the genus Homo. So these are like really important uh, species in you know human evolution, and this is why potentially we're going to be talking about humans and human evolution next week, uh, or next episode. But yeah, so it's been kind of making the rounds in the paleontology space as to like why. <laughs> yeah, why. Why do this? Uh, especially because the first time that I read something about it, um, this wasn't like somebody's like take on Twitter. This was like from an article that said like um, that the the two fossils. I think it was like a thumb bone and some other bone. So not like whole skeletons or like a skull or anything, but um, they were carried by astronaut Timothy Nash, who is South African. Um, in a, and what I read was that they were in his pocket. And I'm like, it's probably not the best place for him. Yeah, uh, probably not. Jeez. <laughs> so I, I've since like seen some pictures, and they're like in cases with like a South African flag and stuff, because both of those species are known from South Africa. So it's like I, I, I kind of get it, but at the same time, I'm like, don't why, why do why why do this? Yeah. But anyway, that's like the news. I said, yeah, that's the news. Uh, if I like, I said, if I find a good article, it'll be in the show notes. But <laughs> uh, space. Anyway, what do you got for us, Mike? Um. So, uh, how do how do I want to put this? How do I want to begin this? Death. <laughs> um. So, death. Uh, people die. That's kind of the part of what's going on with the show. Just things die in general. Sure. Um, and there were a lot of people that died. Uh, there's a lot of people that die every day. Um, and on November 22nd, 1963, I'm sure a lot of people died. Most of whom we don't care about, we don't know much about. They were just, they were people that died. Um, but there was uh, famous people that also died on that day. Do any of you guys know uh, the famous person that died on November 22nd, 1963? 1960, oh, it's JFK. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Nice. Uh, JFK, yeah. Uh, now, here's the thing. Well, not nice that he died, but well. good guess. <laughs> um, when we're talking about uh, JFK and the JFK assassination, um, there is there's more to the story there when we're talking about death. Because JFK was not the only person that died that day. He was not even the only person that got shot that day. And mm-hmm. so, just very briefly in today's episode... I want to talk about the two other people that got shot, one of whom survived and one of whom did not um, as part of the JFK assassination. Hmm. Um, and so we are going to begin with um, actually in the car with JFK. Um, JFK is riding around in that famous motorcade in Dallas, Texas, when, uh, when he is struck by um, a ball. There's a first shot that misses, and there's a sh- second shot that hits JFK uh, that that famously throat. curves to hit JFK. Yes, of course. Uh, this is, if you've ever heard of something called the magic bullet theory, this is kind of what um, we're talking about here. Um, and 
what happened was is that shot went through JFK, um, hit him in the throat. This is before the one that hits him in the head and uh, mortally wounds him um, for sure, but hits him in the throat. And then it hits somebody else. Do either one of you two know anyone else that was in the car with JFK that day? I think his wife, right? His wife was in the car, Jackie Kennedy. She was not shot. Right. Do you know who else was in the car? I don't. I don't know. Man by the name of John Connolly, who was governor of Texas at that point. Uh, John Connolly was a conservative Democrat, governor of Texas. Uh, He served as, um, uh, I believe, secretary of the Navy under Kennedy and then ran for and won the governorship in Texas. And he's sitting in that car. And he heard um, a shot ring out and he tried to turn around and see the president. And then he felt um, something hit him in the back. Um, And he said, once he once he felt that, he said, um, oh, God, my God, they're going to kill us all. Um, He knew immediately this was some sort of um, uh, assassin that was trying to uh, that was trying to bring down, in his mind, everybody there. You have the governor there, you have the president there. And I am trying to find the um, uh, the actual injuries here. Uh, Connolly suffered. Again, we know what happened to JFK. He winds up dying. Connolly suffers a fracture of the fifth rib, a punctured lung, a shattered wrist, and a bullet lodged in his leg. He undergoes yeah. surgery for four hours um, and winds up recovering from those wounds um, and continues serving as governor of Texas. And um, you know, him recovering from this injury gives him almost a mortal status in the state of Texas. I was going to say, I'm like, I bet this man never lost another election. He never lost another um, election, certainly not for governor of Texas. Um, he runs for re-election at that time. Uh, the governorship, uh, or the governor of Texas ran for re-election every two years, and he won by incredibly wide margins um, when he was running. He was also like reasonably, reasonably popular um, in Texas at that time, but this kind of um, did it for him. Wait, every two years? Every two years, yeah. It was that must every be years. exhausting. <laughs> I can only imagine, um, which is why now I believe they have changed that to every four years uh, in Texas. But yeah, just, I mean, re, I was going to say getting reelected, like running for anything, even for the first time, sounds exhausting. Yeah. Um, but just the idea of um, running for reelection every two years is pretty exhausting. You know, getting shot seems to help, but I bet if you would ask uh, John <laughs> Conley, he would prefer not to get shot. Um, eventually, in 1971, Republican President Richard Nixon appointed this conservative Democrat, John Connolly, um, as Secretary of the Treasury. And he was in charge of um, basically weaning the U.S. off of the gold standard, what is known as the Nixon shock. Um, John Connolly served a pretty important role in that. He winds up leaving that position, I believe, in 1971 or so, uh, or 1972 to head up the Democrats for Nixon um, campaign. Richard Nixon's running for re-election. John Connolly is saying, hey, we're Democrats for Nixon because I'm a Democrat. Um, At this point, he was functionally a Democrat in name only. Um, uh, He winds up up switching parties shortly thereafter. And when Spiro Agnew resigns, a lot of people don't know that Richard Nixon had a vice president before Gerald Ford. Um, Spiro Agnew resigns. And also that his name was Spiro Agnew. Yes. That is the that most do... made-up name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and he was yeah. vice president of the United States. Um, 
when that happened, there, uh, John Connolly was on the short list of candidates to actually become vice president. He very nearly um, became VP. Mm. Um, and uh, that job wound up obviously going to um, Gerald Ford. Um, and uh, in that point, John Connolly's career was mostly over. He tries to run for president in 1980, and that goes virtually nowhere. Um, and it has been said by other people, um, I'm trying to find the exact quote and I can't see it here, but that getting shot by Lee Harvey Oswald was one of the best things that ever happened to John Connolly because um, he, he would be forever etched in history um, next to JFK. Yeah. It gave him that kind of prominence. Um, and he, you know, he was able to have still a rather long and successful career in American politics thereafter. Hmm. So that's the first guy that also yeah. got shot in addition to President Kennedy. There is a second person that was shot about 45 minutes later. Now, I mentioned his name, but once again, do either of you two know uh, who killed President Kennedy on that day in November? Um, Ted Cruz's dad? <laughs> slash, slash S. Uh, not actually Ted Cruz's dad. Um, of course. Lee Harvey Oswald? Lee Harvey Oswald, who shot him from the, uh, the seventh floor of the Texas School Book Depository. Um, he winds up fleeing the Texas School Book Depository and is kind of wandering around the streets of Dallas. And at one point, he comes across a police officer by the name of J.D. Tibbet. And according to Wikipedia here, uh, J.D. Tibbet's first and middle name was just J.D. Like, they didn't stand for anything. What? Uh, yeah, uh, which, uh, which I always... Was it J-A-Y? Was it? No, like, J, like the letter J, just period, the letter, the letter D, J. period. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Um, apparently, apparently, there are some sources that say it's supposed to stand for Jefferson Davis, and those are incorrect, um, is what it said here. Regardless, we're talking about a man named J.D. here, and I love that. Right. Um, so about 15 minutes after um, the Kennedy assassination, uh, Tibbet received this radio order um, to drive over to the Central Oak Cliff area um, to try and help um, you know, construct a perimeter and help find whoever just shot the president. You can imagine the mass chaos. Um, that is happening around this time. Um, and at around 110, or so, uh, Tibbet was driving slowly uh, when he pulled alongside a man who resembled the description given to police of a white man, about 5'9", um, and slender. That man was Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald walked over to uh, JD's car and exchanged words with him through, a, uh, through the window. And we don't know exactly what was said, because shortly thereafter, Lee Harvey Oswald shoots Tibbet uh, five times. One of the bullets misses, three of the bullets uh, hit him in the chest, and one hit him in the right temple. And Tibbet uh, died shortly thereafter and was pronounced dead at 125 um, uh, at the hospital. And that was um, originally when Lee Harvey Oswald, this, um, this was seen by a number of other people. The actual um, JFK assassination, it, very few people um, had a good look at what happened and virtually nobody actually saw Oswald shoot Kennedy. There were a number right. of witnesses to, um, to this murder here, the murder of J.D. Tibbet. Um, and as a result, this is what Oswald is originally arrested for. He ducks into a theater without paying. A couple of people see him. They tip off police. Um, and the police go and arrest Oswald for the murder of this police officer. And it is only mm -hmm. shortly thereafter that he is then arrested for the murder of JFK. Um, 
and that is um, that is obviously a a sad place to end. But I wanted to give uh, just some voice and some credence to the other people that were shot that day, uh, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Um, besides just President Kennedy, because they don't get talked about a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There was um, one other person who lived until two thousand fourteen. Um, who um, was wounded from injuries um, from like pieces of concrete, you know, going up and striking, uh, striking them, I believe, in the cheek. Um, they were, that person was obviously just fine, considering once again, they lived until 2014. Yeah. But yeah, that is um, just some more context around the John F. Kennedy assassination that uh, I think a lot of, ca- you know, just casual American citizens probably aren't aware of. Right. I want to yeah. know. I'm so curious about what their conversation was now. I, I would love to know um, how that went. Was it like, hey, we're looking for a guy that looks like you? Was it, you know, were, <laughs> they, were they talking about, oh, my God, can you believe the president was killed? Yeah, like, I can't, like, you know. I, yeah. It, that's one, you know, one of those pieces that's obviously lost to history. But I would yeah. love to know exactly what was said. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this was a uh, this was a short one, but um, uh, but this was episode one hundred and twenty of "I Wish You Were Dead," the podcast about things that used to be alive. My name is Mike. That was Gavin and Fia, and Gavin will have us all set next week with another episode. But until then, take care, everybody. Well, I'll do my best anyway. Uh... Maybe two <laughs> weeks from now instead of next week, but still. <laughs> this episode of "I Wish You Were Dead" was written by Mike Bryson and hosted by Gavin Davidson, Mike Bryson, and Fanella Campanino. It was sound edited and edited for YouTube by Gavin Davidson. Special thanks to former guests of the pod and to listeners like you. 